The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bad With Names. I'm your host, Don Will, and I'm home. I'm in my apartment, sitting at my desk, and the clutter is out of control because my suitcase exploded when I got home and I got to organize a lot of shit that I've got from the road. I've accumulated a month's worth of shit, but the most important part of this is that I am home. I'm in my apartment. And remember, I was talking all that shit about how I wanted to be home, how I couldn't wait to get home and do things. And some of you probably were like, you're going to miss the road, though. You're going to get back on the road. I do miss the road, to a certain extent. But there's something about the normalcy, and I had a lot of shit to tend to, and I've been tending to it. I've been home for a couple of days, actually. And I just took a walk. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I just took a walk around Brooklyn with the, with the camera to try to ignite some photography juices, if you will. Um, and I noticed that one of my favorite eateries, Crown Fried Chicken, on Lexington and Tompkins, is gone. There's a green panel around it. Uh, there's also a green panel around the pizzeria that was next to it. And there's a sign on it that says, coming soon, commercial realty, blah, 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 blah. Basically, they're tearing down the neighborhood as usual it's just in the month that i was gone i didn't expect for it to just creep its way down tompkins but it's been creeping down tompkins for a while now like um i'm sorry this is really local shit and you guys probably don't live in brooklyn but if you do live in brooklyn and you take a walk down tompkins you'll notice that it's creeping closer and closer to myrtle and it's creeping closer and closer from myrtle And I'm going to get off of this subject now because it's not interesting for any of you that aren't in Brooklyn. Something else that's not interesting for any of you in Brooklyn that aren't in Brooklyn is that I have a show on April 19th with Open Mike Eagle, the Karma Kids, and Billy Woods. I'm going to be doing the Don Speak show. I've invited Dash out. He's not confirmed our rehearsal. So (laughs) I need to get back in touch with him and figure out when we're going to rehearse. But yeah, come through. See us do the Don Speaks Sting will be live in concert performing. I'm also DJing on April 18th at the F5 Festival at Terminal 5, which is a big deal because Terminal 5 is fucking a big deal. Google it. I don't care I don't care where you live. Google Terminal 5. Big fucking deal. I'm DJing tonight too, pizza party. Hey, I'm back in town for my party. Uh Good mood, man. I'm in a really good mood. Had an Americano. I've been eating a raw vegan diet. My girl got me eating. Well, no. I wanted to really pull in my diet. I ate horrible on tour. I ate some wonderful food. Don't get me wrong. I ate fantastic food. But I ate horrible. I think I had one vegetable a week. And even in the car trips, I was doing that thing that I said I would never do. I was going to the gas station every time we stopped and buying shit and eating it and eating it and eating it. And after a while, I just started kind of buying peanuts because they were cheap and they last a little bit longer than a baby Ruth's bar, which is peanuts or a a payday, which is peanuts. And I really love payday bars because I love peanuts. But tour took a definite toll on my intestinal tract. And since I've been eating nothing but vegetables and fruits and shit like that. That shit has been, <laughs> that shit has been shit. 
and it's it's interesting. I don't want to I don't want to TMI you guys, but who cares? You're listening. Like I don't know if you've ever done like any sort of cleanse or anything that like removes. It's a lot in me from tourists. A lot in me, literally and figuratively. But I'm talking literal, and this shit's got to come out. And boy, oh boy, has it been an interesting weekend because I've spent, I clocked a lot of time in the bathroom. Probably something you don't want to hear, but I'm excited about it because, trust me, when you go away for a month and every day you eat, some of you probably don't even eat good at home anyway. So you you understand what I'm saying. You you eat like shit. But I'm not used to eating like shit. I'm used to eating, like I have I I, I have vegetables. I'm, I'm 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 not vegetarian or anything, but I eat like a mostly vegetarian diet. I eat a lot of tofu. I eat a lot of uh, what's that shit called? I eat a lot of non-meat products because I like to eat my meat when I go out to restaurants and have somebody prepare it for me. But other than that, I just like stuff that's easy to cook. No fuss shit. You don't even got to cook a vegetable. You just fucking take it out the refrigerator and bite it. So, whatever. Rambling too long about that. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm happy to be home. Happy to be eating food from my refrigerator again. I've been grocery shopping. Put on some clothes that I haven't looked at for the past month. I got on my nice black Adidas hoodie. You don't give a fuck. So it's Sunday. And speaking of Sunday, I want to talk to you about my favorite gospel rapper, Kendrick Lamar. First off, I love his album. Like, literally love this album. I've been playing it nonstop on repeat for the past three days but that's aside he got some jams on there whenever we gonna be all right comes on i just lose my mind but he's a gospel rapper i don't want to have it's not an argument you guys can fight me over it you can write me an email about it we can talk about it uh bwn podcast at gmail.com but he's a gospel rapper if you listen to it very god heavy very god's got us very the devil is tempting me very just he's a gospel rapper to me man like you know what i'm saying like his themes even uh what was the last one good kid mad city there was a call to the altar at the end like it's, it's some gospel shit happening on these albums there's a lot of god tinged imagery going on but that doesn't mean shit that doesn't mean you can't like that's that duality thing you know what i'm saying like like motherfuckers you can go to the club and then go to church in the morning you can be gospel i'm i don't really I was raised Baptist, but I don't really subscribe to a religion. But Kendrick definitely has a God and serves a God and goes to church. And if he's not going to church, he's taking us there on his albums because <laughs> God got him and he's going to be all right. But no, no, no. The album is fucking amazing. I love it. I love it. It does everything I need an album to do. And what else have I been playing? I've been playing the Action Bronson. Yo, I'm really excited for Tyler, too. I've never been excited for a Tyler album like this. Like, that new shit he's doing. I saw him going this direction, man. I saw him going. And I'm glad he finally went. It's really exciting to see artists come into their own and, like, really own their... Own all of their, their shit creatively. You know what I'm saying? He, I think he's at the point in his career where I'll finally start getting into him. Same as J. Cole. Wasn't really into him until this last album. Then I'm like, oh, this is dope. I fuck with it. I'm not saying anybody's not dope, but I am saying I'm a I'm a I'm a rapper, and I gotta judge shit competitively, not critically, but competitively, and I gotta look at shit in a different way than the consumer would. But I'm also a consumer and a fan, and I'm also rambling too long about other people's music. Tanya Morgan, you get what you pay for. Coming out soon, 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 soon. Hip Not Records. Um, yeah. So 
Speaking of Tanya Morgan, this interview was with Dominic Del Benny, whose name you probably are like, I don't know what the fuck that means. But trust me, if you are a fan of me and my group, this is a, a can't miss interview. It basically talks about the history of the group and how we even got our first record deal. Because this is the guy that signed us. This is the guy that put out our first record. This is the guy that's responsible for you even knowing my name musically. Um, and it's a pretty cool interview. He's a good friend of mine. We've had our ups and downs, but um, it's always been more up than down. And I'm, I'm happy to call him a friend. So when we were out in the Bay, we spent a couple days out there and we spent Easter with him. Went with him and his family. Met his two sons, Cooper and Otto. Coop, Coop and O. Coopo. Uh, got to say what's up to his mom, dad. Holler at his wife. We had a good time out in the Bay, man. The Bay Area shows a lot of love. But that's aside the point. This interview is with a wonderful person named Dominic Dubbenny. And I didn't get to talk to him about the second half of his life, which he's living now, which is comedy. He went from music to comedy. And that trajectory was largely unplanned. And it's, it's kind of weird that we both kind of have that similar trajectory and it wasn't planned for either of us and we didn't discuss it beforehand. And we kind of met in the middle on it. Like, he's like, oh, you're doing shit with Wyatt and Ack. Oh, you know Phoebe Robinson. Oh, you know so-and-so. Man, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, we know a lot of the same people. And a lot of names come up in this interview that are comedians and people that were largely music people that went to comedy. So I don't know if comedy is the higher ground that musicians are looking to get to, but... You motherfucker, stay away, because I need the lane clear for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to let this interview roll, and I'm going to see you guys on the other side in about 45 minutes to an hour. No, about an hour. I don't know how long this episode is. I also am just talking until the interview comes on, and it should come on right about now. So... Hi. I think it's on. <laughs> Dom Del Benny, Dominic Del Benny, <laughs> aka the spirit of Tanya, Mor the spirit of Del Benny, the spirit of Tanya Morgan. The reason why we even are Tanya Morgan for the most part. I won't say you're the reason. I don't know if you're throwing credit or blame. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the hot seat. That's got you in this room it too. It depends on the day, I guess. This podcast is vindication. Nah, but it's kind of cool because you know. Two days ago was the anniversary of Moonlighting, which yeah. is the album that you were kind of, not kind of, you were responsible for. Nine years. So, I mean, why, man? Why you, Why did you do this to us? <laughs> With <laughs> two? But not, okay, I, I got to explain. We have to explain who you are. Yeah, that's probably good. So, who are you? Uh, I'm Dominic, man. I'm, uh, I'm just a guy that works in No, no. You know? Who are who were you? Who were you? And who are I, you to us? And why are you? Why are we even having this conversation? We need some. I started a record label out of my house in like 2004, maybe, because um, I had a job that paid me more money than I knew what to do with, and I really wanted to make music, but knew I wasn't very good at it. You did rap though. I did. I did. Kidam. What was your name? Kidam. 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 As it should have been pronounced. Quidam, as it commonly was pronounced. And but, speaking of common, common sense. <laughs> that was my Narwar moment. Yeah. Speaking of speaking common. Speaking of common. Mm -hmm. com yeah, common was like, yo, you're dope. Yeah, I used to post on the boards at OK Player, which is, I think, the the throughway that I met I met you guys and how everyone met everyone according to any rap interview post mm -hmm. 2004. And uh, I had just been posting on the, on the, the lesson, which was like the freestyle or rap lyrics 
posting board. I was at Santa Rosa Junior College at the time and like never went to class. I was just sitting in the Mac lab writing rhymes. And yeah, I always had like a like a school theme to them. Like I used to tag them all schools in session because I was like literally in college, like yeah. just not going to classes and doing that instead. And then um and you know, Common had always been my favorite rapper, like since Resurrection had dropped. And uh, one day, uh, Angie, who used to run the site, um, sent me like a note. and was like, hey, uh, Common was on the boards and he really liked, this is like right when like Water for Chocolate was coming out, really liked your raps and he wants to send you something. And I'm like, oh shit, advanced copy of the vinyl, this is going to be so dope. <laughs> and he sent me like an autographed picture, like I was like a 14-year-old girl, <laughs> just like... And so it was funny and like all, you know. He thought I, your name was Dominic. Yeah, I, Dominique, Dominique, like a girl. Exactly. No, I had like I had like hyped it up, like oh, Carmen sending me something to all my friends, and they're like, yeah, right. And then he's and then I got it, and they were just dying of laughter. Like, ah, that's it was like the glamour shot. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. Carmen searing cool. at you with like his, his fucking fist under his chin. Like. So I was salty for a couple weeks, and then I like and then I was like, you know what? That's dope. Like that's the dude who I respect for rhyming more than anyone. And he was wrong, but he thought I was dope. <laughs> so I still got that. Like, if you go to my house, like, in the garage, there's, like, a couple albums I've worked on and then that in a frame. Behind a bookshelf. No, it's not, it used to, <laughs> no, be, it used to be tucked away. But, I, you know, that's part of the story, I guess, at this point. Um, and uh, on the back, there's still a post-it from Angie that's, like, he thought yeah. it was dope. So, you know, I have that. But that pretty much, I was like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I, I made it. I did what I wanted to that do. Was that, that was it. That was like, your goal. You I hit your I mark. Know where you go from there, you know what I mean? Well, where you go is I started worrying about other people's stuff. La Minority Music, which was the label that released Moonlighting, and Vaughn was signed there first, right? See, this is the part. Like, I wanted Vaughn to be here because I'm really bad with details and names. And names. I'm not 100 percent sure who was signed first. Maybe I was. I just remember moods. But in the mood that when Vaughn got signed, I was like, that's dope. I just remember it thinking it was dope. What do you mean moods? I'm bad with names and details. Oh, I see. And so apparently bad with segues, too. So, well, but. so here's what happened. is So I was like, I definitely want to start a record label. I was living with this dude I knew from OK Player at the time, Jabril. And he and I were just kind of like making beats on an SP505. I feel like he came to one of our shows recently. He's, oh, recently? He, he lives in L.A., I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I was in L.A., we were in L.A. at something. You're not the show. What a party we went to. What party was that? <clears throat> That's a party. I don't know. Yeah, but he, I, dated, I, he, he dated Tara forever. Like yeah. he's an old school okay player. When I was, he tweeted at me after the party, like, "Yo, saw so and so at the party. I saw down at the party. I'm like, I didn't see you." But yeah, I haven't yeah. talked to him forever. He actually he lived in Seattle for a while, had a kid, and then he moved to L.A. And when he was moving from Seattle to L.A., I was living in Oakland at the time, and he stopped by, and we caught up for, like, the evening, just, like, kind of caught up for, like, an hour or so. And there's no beef or anything. It's all good, but, like, that that kind of, like, we were living. He was, like, basically, he had, like, moved in on our couch, and then a room opened up, and he was, like, a roommate, and he was paying. My, my folks owned the place. I was paying rent to them. Uh, he was supposedly paying rent to them. Come to find out, he hadn't paid them rent in, like, six months, but my oh. parents didn't want to tell me because they are like, Oh, it's not your problem, but I'm like, fuck, it isn't. Like, yeah, yeah. So, and, it, and your you parents know, are, are wonderful people, by the way. They're the best. Like, I can, not, I can see them not telling yeah. you. Because I, I, knowing them, they're like cool people, so they, they're probably like, oh, we don't want to let our son down. I don't know, yeah. his, his friend is a... 
Which is fine, not and, not, and not to put them on blast or anything. Like yeah. I, I, like I, honestly, man, I, I, I go too far sometimes. I take, I think I get taken for granted when I don't realize it. Like I, I, I put my neck out there for a lot of people. I got him a job at where I was working. I got, you know, he lived with me. Like he was hooked up, so he had his chance. Um, and it, and he was really instrumental in getting Loud Minority off the ground. Um, equally important was Eric, who you guys know. Um, who we had Easter with yesterday. <laughs> we did. So we did have a, a big family Easter yeah. dinner yesterday, which was pretty dope. But he uh, he did a lot of like design work and photography and like just like he was down for everything. Like that dude was so instrumental to everything, and it really kind of became more me and him running yeah, stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't. We didn't know what we were doing. Like, so wait, early on, what was Jabril doing? Over there, he was rapping. That was more like when I was making oh. beats and he was rapping. Okay, and, and I had really gotten into this jazz record. Um, this uh, another okay player named Dwine, who's like, like yeah, Dwine. He was. Is he still in Brooklyn? He is. He and Deneen got married. Yeah, yeah. Another okay player story. <laughs> they met. They met at the first ever Tony Morgan show at uh, some spot. I don't remember. M five. M5 and you guys Fresh were, Produce yeah Fresh came Produce out with the that Filthy Produce because I met my ex at that show yeah there a lot of lot of romance in the air that a lot night. of romance and that I don't know we're, we're jumping out of order now but anyway yeah. anyway Dwine uh, kind of like he was like the godfather of San Francisco okay player like he like we used to kick it all the time uh, he lived in the neighborhood and so um Anyway, so so Jabril Jabril was basically rapping and smoking a bunch of weed, and then uh, he kind of fell out the picture, and I wound up the first things I did I think were Von P's custom fitted mixtape mm-hmm. and Noni Mecco's not so not standard, so standard. Yeah. volume one or something, and Noni was someone that I knew from the scene in in the Bay, and she I thought I always thought she was just hella dope, and. Um, she had done this thing with this dude Carlos Mena, which was her doing rap or her doing jazz standards over rap songs. I remember and, the uh, the far side passing me by. Yeah, we actually yeah. we pressed that to forty five, and like Garth Trinidad was all over it, and we got a lot of love for that. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, fizzled out like independent things do. But I did that, and I I had always thought Vaughn was dope. I knew Vaughn's stuff from uh, I think Jabril actually might have put me on to P Brain. Which was Ron's oh. collaboration with Brainchild, yeah. Yeah. which which was actually hella dope. Cleo's back was dope. There were definitely jams on that. It was just Dusty Loops and Von Rapper, right? Yeah, it was super. That dusty shit's like Loops. the uh, like Johnson and Johnson project that blew up. Yeah, the, uh, no, it is. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. <coughs> um, I just pressed them up. I had a people was, are gonna be asking where this shit is. <laughs> you should just cut it into the like cut it in like. You know, like right here, like Sotero does. Like, yeah. give it like sure ten seconds. I'm sure Pete Brain is online somewhere. I can't find it anywhere. Uh, I check every now and then. Mm. But uh, there was a spot in the Bay called the CD Workshop, and no one would know this. It was this dude who lived up on Twin Peaks, uh, had like this dope view of the city. But he was like a 40 year old dude. But he had a, he had a, um, like a CDR CD writer at his house, and you could order CDs from him, in sleeves, full color, shrink wrapped color on face for like a dollar a unit no minimum you could be like i need Damn. three and he'd be like cool three dollars give me an hour come get it trackademics i think put me on because cool caller scholar was pressed on that okay so now i'm, I'm seeing it because all this like his cd and the, uh, the custom fitted and on your makeup they all had the same like build i guess so. more or less more yeah. or less like that was and that was just it it was like it was so low cost it was like damn we, we're about to go like so i also worked with uh tim 
Lamont, Chris, Leslie, like a bunch of OK players on producing like a documentary about OKplay.com, the OK Mentory. OK and people like, sidebar, people have asked me several times to try to like do like an oral history of OK Player. And I'm like, well, there, uh, there's already a documentary that exists on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to. It could do some punch up though. Like you could take parts from that, but it's. I mean, first of all, that's old. Second of all, yeah. it's more like that was way more about like the culture of an online community than like OK Player specifically. Right. Okay. Um, Player. But what was cool is in 2004 we went to Detroit for the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, and was, it was like an OK was, Player reunion. Basically, I was there. You were there. <laughs> shots and shots and shots and shots. shots. We got shots. And Shout out to Chuck for Prez. Hey. Um, uh, and Mr. Thomas. And, and Shay. And Shay. Grand. Yeah. So, and Shay Grand was someone who I just, that, I think I met him there and started working with him there. Yo, you know who else was there? It's Black Spade. Yeah, I never, honestly, man, I met Black Spade once at South by Southwest, and he was cool. It was actually at a Tanya Morgan show. Okay. At, um, Spade is the homie. Spade is the homie. But I never knew him like that. Like okay, if, yeah. If, if, I, if, he, if it, you said, oh, Dominic's is high, he'd be like, I don't know who that is. It just I, would, bugged, I would never say that either. It just I'm bugged me out to think that he was there. Yeah. And like, like he was pushing the music then, and like now he's it's just crazy. But yeah. Okay, back to the, back to the Detroit election. So we were in Detroit, which was a crazy time. Uh, in fact, Tim Adkins and I were on stage at like a J-Lib show. I was watching the like, show. We have, like I have, yeah. I have two camera footage from that show. I have audio recording. Like, I have the whole, like, I, it just, it occurred to me, like, years later, I was like, hold up, that I have, I have footage from a J-Lib show, like, on stage. (laughs) That's crazy. And then I found, I found my, my, my footage and Tim's footage and, like, kind of cut it together and, like, a, so I have this dope Detroit, like, crazy, like, I, I, like, I don't know what to do with it. I want to send it to Kendra or send it to, like, Yeah, uh, Dana was, I know Dana was, you know Dana Bartle? Yeah, she was doing a Dilla thing, mm. documentary thing. But I have Come audio, <laughs> I have audio footage of the show because yeah. I had that mini disc recorder that I was recording shit on. Yeah, and you can hear me trying to like Mac to, to this girl through the whole thing. The entire as, show, as with most <laughs> reco- audio recordings of Don. Like I was, <laughs> what's, it's so what's, stupid. What's funny is footage from that popped up in the uh, Arvano Ways a Ton documentary because J Rock had a camera on stage. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you can see you can like in that documentary you can see me on stage with the camera. Right. I have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, yeah. for real. It's cool, um, and that's just like a that's a random non sequitur too, which is what most of this conversation probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we did, like I did One Piece Custom Fitted and then uh, a few other things and I was working with some some like Bay Area rappers at the time who I was like definitely trying to like work with and champion and like invest in and invest is like, that's an exaggeration. I didn't have money. I had like, yeah. I could put together, I could scrape together a couple thousand at a time and like sink it in. Like I remember there was this dude, um, Shia Beyonder was his name and I was working with him early on. He's someone that I, in, in high school in Santa Rosa, he was like the dope rapper in town. He was part of a crew called Blackfoot, and they were dope. They kind of made like West Coast Wu-Tang sounding stuff, but not like high row, like darker than that. And so he was one of the dudes initially that I was messing with, like before I met Vaughn. Like everyone wound up hating Vaughn because I was doing stuff with these <laughs> other rappers. Got a lot of and, enemies. And Vaughn had his shit together. Like he already, he had a project, like multiple projects done before I even met him, and so it was easy to, like, get that done. Right. Other dudes, Instead of like, motivating the homies. Well, and the homies were like, yeah, so, you know, like, I don't want to do this unless I can get beats from the nonce. And so I'm calling up the nonce mm-hmm. and being like, yo, like, what would it cost for a beat? And at the t- this is, like, pre-internet, so it's like, like, 
five G's or I could do two B's for six, which even then I was like, that's like way more. Like, how would, <laughs> how do you justify spending that kind of money on yeah. a beat from someone that like kind of yeah. like really no one gives a shit about? Like, I respect that. I respect that record, but like, not not to the tune of like dropping six grand to never recoup like yeah. that. Even I mean, I was dumb back then, but I wasn't that dumb. Mm-hmm. So then, anyway, this is, you're going to have to edit all this shit down. This has got to be the most boring segment of no. any Nope. <laughs> nope. This is, this is fascinating for but people who so know I, who we are. You know so what things mean? were good. Like, like things were kind of moving. Like, we were moving some 45s from Nonya Mecco. We were getting, you know, getting Von P some press. Like, like uh, magazines who have been gone so long, I can't remember Wax the Poetics, name. I think. No, Wax Poetics no, was Herb. always dope. They're still Herb, around. yeah, Herb. The Herb was the Herb, Herb had custom fitted in it. They had sunlighting in it. Like, we were... We were killing it, and at the time, I had met uh, Michelle McDevitt from Audible Treats through a mutual friend. Shelly. We met at a wedding, mm-hmm. actually, in You the meet Bay. everybody at random-ass places. That's life, man. Where else are you going to meet them? True. So, uh, so I met Michelle, and she was a mutual friend. Uh, we had a mutual friend named Anna who got married, and we were at the wedding, but we didn't talk then. And Anna was like, oh, you're doing a label? My <coughs> friend is publicity for rap labels. And I was like, that's hilarious. But it was the truth, and then she wound up helping out with all that early loud minority stuff. Yeah, um, and that I, you know, I attribute any any kind of marketing and and press that we got to, to them. Like it was definitely a a, a unit. Yeah, we had team. I, and and you know I think I think we I think we did a lot of it right. We did distribution probably wrong. Like, but but we also to be honest, <laughs> one thing I pride myself <laughs> on, like I remember I remember we got like I was trying to figure out how to distribute moonlighting. And we had already done the cassettes, which were still dope as fuck to this yeah. day. Like, like the fact that we had like a how to operate a cassette manual mm-hmm. in that. I didn't know Eric did the art. art for yeah, the he art did for that. He did that. For that. Yeah. He, I, I drafted up the language, and then he's, and then he just took it and was like, "Oh, this would be a good do this, do this, do this." And it was totally based on Daylight shit. We were just so deep into Daylight at the time, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I remember calling everyone like, "So I got." Got this thing, ABB is down <coughs> to distribute it, and I had you guys on the phone, Shea Grant on the phone, Nonya Mecco on the phone. It was like everyone that had shit that was about to come out, or that I was like, Ilias was on the phone. Yeah. And I was like, I could do this. Do we? Are we all cool with this? Because I didn't want to like make a decision, and like, and get hated for it, even if it was the wrong decision, which it turned out to be, and I didn't get hated for. I maybe a little bit, but like it wasn't. It turned out not to be the end of the world. What was wrong with it? I'm, my memory is cloudy. Um, I think couldn't ben, find that joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it, it just yeah, sucked. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, at yeah. the time, I remember there was uh, man, this is this is, we're just this is gonna be the most out of touch, out of date thing ever. It's okay. Thirty three <laughs> was it? Thirty three and a third. Thirty three and a third. Yeah. Thirty three and a third in was, LA. A, was a record store in L. A. And I can't even remember dude's name, but he was the homie. He was great. He he was like a fan of Tanya Morgan, a fan of everything we put out. And they had they had wanted some records. Isn't that across from the? Uh, Roscoe's Roscoe. on yes. Rico. Yep, that's right. But what's crazy about them, so they had, like, do, they had dope 45s, dope 12-inches, <laughs> completely supported independent hip-hop, and then they started selling Krylon cans and spray paint. Mm-hmm. And then they completely pivoted, like, like in a way that was genius, because every other record store going out of business. 33 and a third, and they may have even changed their name, but like they wound up selling paint cans, they they wound up changing the back of their building to be like a, a like a you know ever evolving mural. Like oh, that's dope. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about any of this stuff in forever. <laughs> but but anyway, like you just couldn't find it anywhere. Like like we would like the services that were offered by a distributor. 
I wound up doing. Like, I would call and account everybody's records in Cincinnati. Yeah. Be like, hey, there's a Cincinnati group to collaborate with this guy in Brooklyn, trying to see if we can get some things in there locally. We'll try to drive radio. We'll try to drive local press. All that stuff. And we got some of that done to an extent. Tabari McCoy was at Sin Weekly. He ran a feature for Scribble Jam. You guys got the front page. Like, like yeah. we like that we did it. That comes full circle later, too. We did it. Like, we kind of <laughs> yeah. like, did what you were supposed to do, and it didn't crack. And part of it might be the music. But I think, I don't think it's, I, like, I wouldn't fault you guys any more as musicians than me as a label dude or ABB as a distributor or anything else. And that, that's, that, that was that phase. Then it goes to, like... We kind of, like I kind of got bought out of my own company and my own vision, and I I still don't know if I made the right decision there. Probably this is not. really fun to hear. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. You don't think it was the right decision? No, I don't no, think no. it was a terrible decision. I don't know if I had any other. I think I was backed into a corner. I don't think I had a choice. Well, what do you guys think? Do you guys think he was backed into a corner? We'll let him explain himself after this break. But I need you guys to rate, subscribe, and review. If you're on SoundCloud, leave a comment. If you're on iTunes, subscribe. Or no, fuck that. If you're on iTunes, review and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? I need that. I need that. If I need nothing else from you, it's that. Hook me up with some interaction, yo. I need that interaction. Yeah. Because I had already, a lot of what we had, a lot of what we wound up doing, like we pressed, we pressed vinyl. We pressed double LPs for Moonlighting. Like, and those, those are dope. Those came out really clean. Heinz hooked the artwork up. They play. They sound really great. But that cost money, and I had got, gotten some help from a family that was local to me, who the kid I had gone to high school with, and he wanted to, he wanted to start his own label, and he was like, oh, Dom's already kind of doing this, so why don't we just bought him out? We'll pay yeah, him why out. didn't he just sign to you? So because they had... They had millions of dollars. Okay. So what do I have that they don't? You know what I'm saying? Like outside of an interest and willingness to like do, do this day in and day out and like yeah. make this my life, which honestly is not as valuable as millions of dollars. They never they never wound up putting that much in it, but that was the plan. They were like, and and honestly, maybe they they didn't put a couple million. They put in more money than I ever got to touch because by the time I got there, they had already squandered like unfathomable amounts of money on stuff you shouldn't squander it on. Like, like I got there, and what I wanted to do was bring in Tanya Morgan and Jay Davey and all these acts that I really cared about and thought, like, I still think Jay Davey could crack. You know what I mean? Like, I still think you guys have your best years ahead of you, but it's not going to be putting out an indie record, you know, on beep record label. It's going to be some other shit. Like, Look for our new record coming out soon. <laughs> That's a ring, ringing endorsement right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which sucks because honestly, the, the like every record you do gets better. Like I, I was salty when I heard you and What Army, because I'm like, okay, this is like honestly, if I'm being real, this is better than Brooklyn Eddie, mm. which to me is like one of my favorite albums ever. Thank you, and if I listen to Rubber Souls, I'm like, fuck, this shit is better than you and What Army. <laughs> and, like, and, I, and I heard, I heard, uh, you get what you pay for. When were we on the road? Like four years you ago? You heard you get what you pay for when we were working on You and One Army. You heard, that, you heard the genesis of it. And that's the best record you guys have ever done. Like, period. Thank like, you. let's get started. Sets, like, it, oh, is that still the first track? Yeah. That sets the entire tone. Like, so I'll, I'll say it now. You heard it first. Bomb drop, bomb drop. That shit's the <laughs> best Tanya Morgan album Scoops. today. <laughs> um, but then all the other, like, the solo shit that you guys do is cool because it kind of... It, it borders on, I think, what I want to do in the future, 
which is this tangential, like, like more contextual thing with, like, the humor. Like, you guys are weird. Like, it was funny when I was listening to the, um, <laughs> Sean Sotero. You guys are weird. You are, though. Not, not in, like, we a bad way. Not in, like, a, not in, like, a, my, my uncle got sent away for a few years and we don't know why, but, like, yeah. you're just, you're just, you're not, you're not. Normal. You're not normal, man. You're not, like, yeah. you, you know, you get, you get thrown in the same, like, groups as like odyssey and odyssey is different but he's not weird odyssey is like you can you can see what it is from a mile away and like and like his crew like if you look at diamond district like those guys are just straight up rappers and they're not like i love the diamond district records but like at the end of the day like it's not memorable stuff like i can't it's just rap you know what i mean and you guys have skits and weird merch and thematic albums and through lines. It's almost like the closer you get to us, it's like, oh, it gets it gets weirder. Yeah, it gets it, way it, weirder. And maybe I'm missing it, it yeah. with some of your peers, but I don't think so. I just think they make dope they make dope rap music. And at the end of the day, honestly, I don't think people give a shit about that. I, I used to and I don't. And that so maybe that's my bias, but Well no, what I've been experiencing is that people don't care about music in general. Like they care about it, but it's extremely disposable, and it's, it's supposed it's different to be a now. Yeah, they, they don't care. It's not the thing to care about anymore. Like in the way I always think back to, I always refer to when I was in high school. It was cool to bring like whatever the newest CD that was coming out. It was cool to bring that to school. Like yo, I got the new, <laughs> you know, Jay Z Volume One. But <laughs> take that. You know what I mean? No. And now I, you want to know how I know what you mean? Because so the day we took our senior class photo, which was like all the class in front of like the drama center or the theater or whatever it was called, and they did like juniors first and then seniors and like everyone else. I, if you look at that picture, I'll send this to you. It. I'm sitting there and I'm holding Method Man's. T two Judgment Day album, like holding it up. So and it was the inside one where like his eyes were all blacked out and he had the fangs. Yeah, yeah. And like I remember, uh, uh, I forget her name, Miss O'Donnell maybe, and she was like mad. She's like Dominic, put that down. And like if you look in our yearbook, it's like (laughs) Dominic and Method Man. Like like, like I had cut school that day, gotten it, and come back. So I remember when it when that was an event. Like I remember the (coughs) day I got. Exhibit um, 40 Days and 40 Nights mm. and Lauren Hill on the same day. We cut school and just listened to those albums all day. Or like I remember Doggy Style. Yeah. Like like it was a it was a thing where you're like, okay, Doggy Style drops a day, we're gonna be late to school. Do you do you remember like putting in a request at like your music store three weeks in advance? Like they yeah. used to have a blackboard with like the dates and the and the albums that were dropping. I remember the blackboard, but there were no requests, so you would just kinda walk in and it was like Okay, it comes out in two weeks. And there was like, you would see the albums come for all the next two or three months that were coming out. We used to have like a card system at ours where it was like, you they would search for Dominic Del Benny and, I, and on it it would have had the album I requested and the due date and for the ones I've already picked up or the drop date and the ones I'd picked up it was crossed out. Oh, that's pretty dope. So so you could, I wish I had that card. You would see some dope Yo, shit from the night. All of those cards would be dope. Like, because yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, it's almost like a library system for stuff you want. And it documents like their consumers, so they, it was like almost like some direct to consumer shit going on, yeah. where they knew who was in their store and what what was what was selling. You know what I'm saying? And now, I mean, there's there's still anticipation, but it's for like only the biggest things. You know, like you you have to be like Drake. And you have to be big. The anticipation is weird now because there's no release. Like it's cool to not have a release date. So Kanye's Beyonce, album could be out right now. No, Beyonce, D'Angelo. Kendrick, Bronson, 
No marketing. No anticipation. J. Cole with Platinum. Drake, Drake did that too. J. Cole did, did that. J. Well, J. Cole had marketing. Though. He did have marketing. That was marketing. But they dropped without pre... I mean, that that to me, like, that's just the culture we live in. Like, and, you know, it's the same in comedy, which is what I work in now. But, like, you can't, you can't sell someone on an opportunity down the road because... They're gonna get distracted by the opportunities they participate in in the meantime. Yeah. Like, there's too much. Like you're you have access to everything. So if you're gonna be withholding about it, you have to make it so special. And marketing isn't special enough. Like, mm. th- like I don't know what I don't know what would be to tell you the truth. Like there's there's nothing right now. I don't I can't think of a thing I'm anticipating. Like the like even like the Black Messiah vinyl, like, and I'm the biggest D'Angelo nerd in the world. I didn't buy that until when did I on until yesterday. Yeah. I, I literally purchased it yesterday because when they when they're like, oh, it'll ship by April fifth. I'm like, so I'll buy it on April sixth. Like <laughs> I'm already bumping the whole album anyway. Like yeah. I don't need you know. There's no there's no added value there, and that that to me is the trick. That used to be the the added value used to be I get it the first day. Yeah. And now you get that standard, so the added value has to be. I get an exclusive hat, or I get a voicemail from my favorite singer, or I get a, you know what I'm saying? Like, Kickstarter campaign-style rewards. So, let me pull it back in. <clears throat> yeah. See, see, I'm trying to I'm trying to do it the professional way. Do it, do it. So, okay, pull it back in. First of all, the thoughts of Dominic Del Benny only reflect him, <laughs> and we do not have beef with Diamond District. We love Diamond District. They're super MCs. They're phenomenal. I thought I, I, thought my I said the producer. same thing. Nah, people, oh, just in case, just in case, oh, just in case. And but, district, about a, they listen to the podcast no, all together in a group. But just, just in case, sit down and, play it. and um, you said we were weird, but then we all went on a tangent. So, weird in a unique way, weird just like, because we do all these extra, are we weird to a fault? That's my question. Probably. I mean, pro- I like, think but we see, are. But see, here's what's great about it is, you're de- you know you're weird to a fault. Like, you had... Or not weird enough. I think we're, no. we're either not weird... Like, okay, let's let's name somebody else. Quelle Chris, he's on our new album. I was somebody like him, I could see somebody saying, he's weird. But he's like... But there's a... You can look at, like, okay, that is weird. It's like a unique, odd thing. There's this... But him his, for an example. His, his, his weirdness has this level of, like, aggression and this kind of, like, rough edge. Like, yeah. he can play alongside an alchemist. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He could play alongside of like a, a a prodigy record, whereas you put like a Brooklyn Addy record. Aesthetically, it'll kind of feel the same, but when you listen, it's like, well, these dudes aren't gonna kill anybody. We don't have the edge. Quelle might kill you. <laughs> like, <and> I, <laughs> he's he's weird, but he might fucking murder you. And I can say that from knowing him. You know what I'm saying? Here, here's what I'll say: is I think um, you know, they're, like Doom is weird. I get like you can't. I can't really call you guys weird and and not say Doom is weird and mm-hmm. be honest about it. <clears throat> yeah. But Doom is just a totally different beast. Like, he has a history before, pre-Doom. He's got insanely, like, landmark records. Like, to this day, Mad Villainy is still one of the best albums across genres of all time. That shit's Um, like a pop record. You know what I mean? And it it translated to, you know, relative to the the niche of, like, uh, indie rap, it translated to sales. You guys have, and, and this might be my fault, too. And you touched on this on the cipher, but, like, I never, there may have been a couple times when I was like, uh, you could, like, this could be more commercially appealing, but, like, I never actually laid down the gauntlet. I never drove you that way. And when you guys did it, I don't know if it worked well. Like, like, uh, when did we do it? What was that shit on the bridge? Uh, 
What was like the main song from the bridge? Roll bounce, roll bounce. Was there a main it. song on the yeah, bridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. yeah let me see. How low? How low? Too many words. Well, it also it also just was it was like it's like here's everything you know and love about Tanya Morgan, and then here's something completely removed from it. It was never like a like honestly like let's get started or some of like trunk shit like some of this forthcoming <laughs> stuff mm-hmm. is like genuine Tanya Morgan sounding. But it does veer a little bit more towards something that someone that's not already a Tanya Morgan fan might like. I, okay. that, that's my like. That's my like. No, I agree with that. I see. I see what you're saying. That's my objective feeling on it. Like, but you guys, like, let's keep it real. I'm gonna do a whole concept album based on the movie High Fidelity. Okay, you're speaking to a pretty like tiny segment of pop culture that is gonna also respect Opio, and is also gonna be down with like Tanya Morgan, like. The Venn diagram, the slices get so small. Small, yeah. really small. And, and Mike Stroh. <laughs> and Mike Stroh, you know what I'm saying? And Reagan Fikes. And people who I know are dope, but like, I mean, like, like I feel even, like you guys have you guys have a discography of albums that were built for me and, and Suburban Sprawl. Even with, like, that, with that album about... <laughs> I like how you still sneak this in Suburban Sprawl. Yeah, I, I was like, yo, dog, we need to press up Suburban Sprawl. He's like, I don't want to do that. Man, even when I, I was like, there's out, some money behind it. Okay, cool, we'll press it up. Before even you. when I put out P's Gotta Have It, I was like, man, like I said it on um, on a freaking headphone rock. I was like, I'm about to drop an album talking about high school, and I'm 28 years old. I was like, <laughs> I started feeling like I gotta 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 open this up a little bit more, and that's what we tried to do with Rubber Souls, and what we've been trying to do ever since then. Yeah. You know, I think you did it to an extent with Rubber Souls, and I was actually listening to that record this morning. Uh, again, Sean Sotero, never met you. Dope interview. Uh, <laughs> but he was talking about instrumental colors and stuff. And, like, I remember that. I mean, when I listened to Tanya Morgan, like, I pretty much memorized the lyrics on the first pass. Like, Don and I have gotten heated about this. Vaughn is, like, maybe my favorite MC of all time. You're up there, too. <laughs> but, like, I, like, I, will, I, will, I yeah, will get yeah. it quick. Well, Vaughn is one of my favorites, too. I say it a lot. So, so it's like I'm mad dope, son. <laughs> so I listen. I'll I listen. just rap so I can be alongside him, right? <laughs> Smart. Um, but, but it, you guys are just—you've always made, and I think I think long term it's going to work to your benefit. But you've always made deeply, um, what's the word? Conceptual albums. You've always—you've you've, never—you've never been. I mean, you've never been steered towards something. I think for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and even uh, you get what you pay for to a certain extent is, not to a certain extent, it is conceptual. But we've let the concept not so much embed itself into the individual songs. Yeah. Like the songs can, like like on Cusack, the songs were just parts of the movie. It was narrative. Like, yeah. That was straight, like you could never see, you could have never seen that film or read that book before and listened to the album and pulled away just as much. Like, you're getting a fight with Ian. Like, and, and, <laughs> I, and the only reason Opio is Ian because they both have ponytails. Like, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Like, there was literally a moment where I was like, okay, what rappers have ponytails? <laughs> Who can be you Ian? You last year, like, checking it off. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But, yeah, uh, so, all right, pulling it back in a little bit, as Vaughn was saying. What about the Brooklyn Natty era? That was like maybe. that was because that's kind of like our heyday. Wait, did we hit sense. the moonlight? We covered the we didn't cover the whole moonlight ever, did we? For the most part, I mean, I don't know. Oh, what... I want to bring up one part mm-hmm. that I I still regret is that we had such an expensive video, and I never mixed the album or never pushed for the album to get mixed. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, the album sounds awful. Sonically, <laughs> yeah, I can't listen to it. It doesn't bother me. I can't really. Mad villain sounds awful. Yeah. Well, well anything Mad Lib does kind of sounds. I mean, and there's charm to it. I love like, Mad like Lib. I, yeah. 
I, I think it depends on who you're who you're like like the album sounds badly mixed is one of those things where like honestly none of that none of the records from Moonlighting were gonna be bumped in a club for five hundred people trying to Hey Want You to Want Me. I've heard Want You to Want Me out. <laughs> and not by low key either, be believe fair, it or not. That's the most well mixed song on that album. Mm. And it had a it had presumably, allegedly a sample from a well. I don't know. There was a sample? No. I don't know. It was really, I, especially really now, I definitely don't know you're talking about. I think you're blurring the lines between these records you're talking about. <laughs> hey, good. man. We don't want this interview to get too thick. That's not at all. <laughs> uh, but but in reality, I think, I think, I mean, we, we learned, you guys learned a lot by fucking with a label that was starting with you. Yeah. And the label learned a lot by starting with you, like... We definitely overspent on a on a music video for We Be, which came out dope at the time and got some run at the time. Would I do it again the same way? Probably no. not. Mm. Ethan, I don't think any of us would. Ethan, who did it and is and who's dope, and he's gone on to do hella dope things. He's like one of the foremost like music video directors. Period. Dude, yep. his fee is the budget for three videos now. Uh, that <laughs> might be that might even be conservative. I mean, no, I mean, not, I mean his fee his fee to do We Be. Might have been our whole budget for the Rubber Souls videos, and we did like five videos for yeah. Rubber Souls. <clears throat> and he's and and if you're doing if you're working it right, it's probably worth every penny. Yeah. But we had there's also a lot of the, there was the, this is the risk you play when you play quick for quick money is we base an entire video on MySpace. MySpace is dead. Sorry, Justin. MySpace is dead. It was but man, dead. we got traction at the time. We though. did. And, and furthermore, I think that the, I think that they create this kind of time capsule where if you discuss MySpace, it's kind of like it is a <laughs> it is dead. And like, I guess the music video being like a, a homage to a dead white website kind of makes the video in a sense yeah. arcane in a sense. But I think that people still it still resonates. It reflects a time. You know what I'm saying? We were the, the first way, one. So anybody that does any kind of music video for. An yeah. app or anything. It's the same as when you see like Mace in a shiny suit. You just see us in a yeah. When that um that video with Kanye and uh the Asian dudes, I forgot their name, and they was on like the YouTube thing. And I saw people was like, man, this is like that Tanya Morgan video. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, that shooting that video was fun. <coughs> that, was the the best, that was one of the best. That was one of the best hotel weeks ever. We had a cracked hotel hooker. with the with the uh, a dead body getting pulled out of a room. Dead body getting put out of a room. We had Heinz, we flew in Heinz from Canada. Uh, Canada, and just I don't even know why, because he had done artwork, <laughs> so got, he got me there. Shea Grand came out. Uh, we had uh, EMC came down and was kicking it with porn stars all week long. Yeah, th- Carm- some dude from somewhere with red cowboy boots that kept calling everybody a kick- punk rock. That was my, that was my boy. Kick that was rocks. my homeboy. My homeboy Anthony. <laughs> I still quote him to this punk day. Rock, bitch. <laughs> he had, he had on red cowboy boots there? for no reason. Like, what is this boots about, man? Jay Davy was there. I think that was the trip where everyone went and saw Prince and Sara at some show, and Prince we fell asleep in the van. We fell asleep in the van, and Shea Grant went to the club with Prince and his entourage. Oh yeah, they, they thought as Shea was security. As his like, entourage. Like, I'm yep. With, I'm, I'm with them. They thought Shea was security, <laughs> so he got to hang out with Prince for a little while. Like you can't, you can't write that, man. And like, nah. and my people from the Bay came down. Like everyone had cameos in that. Filthy was there. Filthy was there, right? Yeah, Filthy, Filthy was, was there. there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Like that was it, like dudes I went to high school with that that went to like Loyola Marymount that had nothing to do with the music biz showed up as extras for the frat party yeah. scenes. Like that thing came together nice. Like that it, it was a, it was a definitely a moment in time, a good video. Yeah, but 
Would I do it again for that, <laughs> no. for that budget? Probably not. So we that got shit. a pretty cool video for uh, We Bad for free. That shit felt like a Ilias shot that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that sidebar, that was part like Ilias shooting that video and thinking about the other video. He was just kind of like that. That led ill to his career shit. now. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was all. If nothing else, it led him to his career now. Because yeah. he would have never started directing if it wasn't for all I of think that. that was illuminating for him. And I, I think that, that trajectory started then, which is that's mm-hmm. mad early. Like, yeah. like, he stayed in the group through The Bridge. He stayed in the group through Brooklyn Addy. And, like, obviously it's not, like, it's beef with you guys or anything. I know he definitely, you know, he and I had weird conversations, like, over the years, like, after he left the group where, like, Sometimes he called me up or I called him and it was cool and he was like, oh, no, I'm on this whole little Wayne thing. He was going to go super commercial. And, and it was like, he can rap, like, period. Yeah. So it's it's not like it was whack stuff, but, like, he, he would definitely, like, he has the horrorcore side, the pop side. Like, I, I kind of got the vibe. It was, like, a little bit schizophrenic. Like, pick one, dude, because you're good at all of this. Just pick one and please don't let it be the horror court <laughs> but pick one you know what I mean like yeah and and like you know I don't I don't keep up with him at all like you know but I I, I have a lot of respect for him and you know I, I'm, I'm glad we got to inter- intersect for a bunch of years but. I think he's back on the just straight up hip-hop because he signed with him not too so I'm assuming it's gonna be straight up hip hop, whatever he ends up doing when I talked to him it was the hip-hop stuff yeah it was definitely hip-hop stuff. Yeah. so so then we had a meeting at, at Filthy's house um, when I used to live off of Fulton Street. And you was like, all right, so here's the new deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You guys are going to put out this is why the Bridge EP. He remembers You guys that. are going to put out Brooklyn Addy. You're going to get an advance. You're going to shoot some videos. Shit's going to be dope. Do you remember that? They, I remember being in Filthy's house. And that, that's we had. We basically uh, had, had a meeting. hoodie. I know that. <laughs> I remember the mood, man. And we basically had a meeting about that. So then we did the bridge, and um, I don't know if there's a bridge ever. Not really. And the bridge Brooklyn is one Addy. of my favorite. Like I love the EPs. The EPs never get discussed. Like the Tanya Morgan EPs. The EPs were all dope, and just they just kind of don't exist. They need to get packaged all together, maybe. Like just re-release them as just. I think. Uh, yeah, maybe that's you know. Cause it's it's the the what is it sunset, the bridge and technically you and what army those are the EPs. Sunset I loved. Sunset oh no <coughs> so the jam. Yeah. That song I think embodies a lot of like the spirit of Tanya Morgan where all three of you have like your own thing on a similar subject and it all it, it's kind of like narrative and funny and it gets wrapped up like I think did you get pulled over? In I that did. One? Yeah, like that. That was I got pulled. That was around my DUI era, so yeah, a lot of it was about getting pulled over. No, but that yeah, I remember being in Ohio. Maybe it was Scribble Jam or something, and your license had been suspended. Yeah. and so we it, we kept trying to figure out how to get around and like. Sidebar, my mom told me to tell you hi because I called her when we were over your house oh, for East for East. Send my best to her. Well. Your <laughs> whole family, for that matter. Yeah. Um. So, did you have a question, or you just re- you were just bringing up that meeting? Oh no! I'm just saying, like that. That was. I was trying to start the beginning of Moonlight and Era. That's what I was. I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Addy Era. That's what so, I was trying to get to. So Brooklyn Addy Era, we had, um, like, we had done Moonlighting, and we had done. Oh, that. excuse me. Before we get to that, do we do we bring up the um, the 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 high road tour era? Does that matter? Does that play a role in getting to Brooklyn Addy or not? Because that was a big. That thing. was before Brooklyn Addy. Yeah. 
Really? That was, that was summer right 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I imagine I like so. Well, we need. I mean, that I, was that was after the, after you had been absorbed. You absorbed. We had to stay in your house for X amount so of time. Here, so so some other stuff happened. The new royalty tour had happened. You can refer to any number of recorded and documented you conversations. You can go to me and read my whole epic blog post. On so there's so there's that. Um, I had basically gotten swallowed up willingly. Like I don't want to. I don't want to say it was against my will or anything. By um, the people that wound up founding Interdependent Media, and I basically was trying to re, like redirect everything I was working on to that. Um, and at the time, I, that's when I started working with ID, who's like OG, the best ever. Like he had done a bunch of stuff with Hyro. He had put out um, Little Brother. He basically, people, will be, I, I don't know if Little Brother would say he discovered them, but like he basically found their shit and brought them to ABB and got the record put out. And he had a lot to do with that. And I've talked with Fonte since then, like when we were in Denver actually, and he was there with Nicolet. Yeah, yeah. And we went to that Red Bull thing, and he and I caught up about it all. But, like, ID had put out records. He actually, he had a show uh, called Step Into the AM that it was, like, I, I always, when I was in, like, junior high, high school, I would always listen to the wake-up show. I would, like, either stay up late or I would stay up late enough to hit play record and then listen to it on my way to school and from school the next day. Mm-hmm. And, like, randomly I found Step Into the AM, which was this dope local rap radio show in Sonoma County, North Bay, and it was him and Chaos and they would have Red Man in studio, Method Man in studio, uh, DOS Effects in studio. And I'm just like, when they say in studio, are they going to San Francisco? No, that shit was <laughs> like in either Katati or Rona Park or Santa Rosa. Like I'm, and they used to they used to get people doing shows at the Phoenix, which was this dope concert hall. Um, mm. So anyway, Ian was like, he like he used to get so many records. He didn't even know me, and he was just like he, but he knew I was like interested in rap, which in our in our community was not that common. He would um he would he would give me any records I wanted. Like I would just go to his house and take stacks upon stacks of vinyl. And like That's he crazy, yeah. he helped me definitely start DJing. I must have been like sixteen, just got my license at the time. And and he was just hooking me up with stuff. So anyway, he and I start working at IM. He's working on uh, a number of dope records. He brought Finale over. Um, he later he started working with Mo Green. Shout out to Green. The, both of those dudes. And finale. But I, when I got there, like I remember my first day at Interdependent Media, they had they had already hired some dude from Canada who was straight bamboozling them. Like this dude. Um, ABB. No, uh, Interdependent. Media. Oh, Interdependent. Okay. Um, Interdependent. Media. He was. He came in. I think he actually was like the conduit to them working with cannabis. And when I got to IM, it was the first day I got there. We took cannabis out to dinner to sign him. And, and they, like, had an insane advance check on the table. And, like, it was him and, like, a bunch of 60-year-old dudes, me, this little snake from Canada that set it all up, and Truth Live. And, like, and it, it was just, it, like, it was a weird night already. And, you know, cannabis, that, like, that, I worked with him for a long time, and that was weird. And the, then... The cannabis stories. I'm not going to tell any of them, but the cannabis stories are amazing. Yeah. That's like its own podcast <laughs> That's series. its own thing. Um, but, but it was like, all right, we're going to sign cannabis and give him this advance, which already put like some stress in my heart. And then the next day I found out about all this drama with Kanon, who they had signed, which my job when I got there was going to be start working on Tanya Morgan, Jay Davey, and all this other like, you know, developmental acts. And it turned into... 
squash the beef. <laughs> like, yeah. like, 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 the parties were irreconciled, and it was my job to, like, be a bridge, basically. So it wasn't fun at all. Yeah, I, I know that you, and you had some health things, too, around that time, or was that later? I mean, I always, I think that was probably later. I always had I was going to say, do you think that that kind of exacerbated the health stuff? I doubt it. Okay. I mean, honestly, dude, like, no, nothing, I mean, to say that, I, like, it would, it would mean that something exacerbated my, when I, I had cancer when I was in high school, it would mean that something in high school exacerbated that, but yeah. nope, I was just chilling. Everything was dope. Like, high school was cool. I was like, playing sports and dating and going like killing it at school and bing cancer so like i wouldn't blame like not even on like a stress level like did anything really like you know happen to me health wise but it definitely was like i learned I, like i learned quickly like oh there's a wrong way to do things like, yeah. there's definitely <clears throat> a wrong like there's like and and ian also one dope thing about id is he would never waste a dollar. Like, he knew what to spend on and what not to spend on. And there would be times where I'm like, shoot, you got to cut the check and roll the dice. And he's like, nope. But he like, Because he'd already been there. He'd already seen... Yeah, and it, that's what I remember the most about Ian, like, first meeting him, is he was just kind of like, not necessarily a hard ass, but he had his way. He was disciplined. Yeah, very disciplined. And, and, and I mean that in the best sense of the word, but, like, he... He just knew a lot, you know what I mean, and I learned a lot working with him. I think I, I think I, I definitely like wanted to do more than we were doing, so I think I got a little bit um, impatient, and and that's how I wound up leaving the label. Was eventually I was like, yo, like we all went to, we all went to lunch like right down the street from where we had that first cannabis signing, and it was like, all right, what are we doing for the next three years? Like, this dude is over here producing a record with a DJ from the Bay and just sinking money into it that you then hold me accountable for. Well, that's your son. Like, that's a parent's job, not a right. management job. Like, I don't, own, I, don't, I don't own his American Express card. So when you challenge me on why there was a $400 cash withdrawal at a strip club last week, I wasn't there. I don't know. Like, so it just got, it got to the point where I was like, I was like a babysitter to grown adults and not, not really being able to focus on the things that I needed to. And the timing sucked. Like, we haven't, this is clearing a lot of air, actually, because, like, we haven't talked about P's got to have it and dropping that ball. Ever. Like, I left, <laughs> like, I left at, I left at, like, the worst time, and I feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I wouldn't have been any help to you if I stayed, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that shit, like, I remember we had dope ideas. We were going to read, we were going to remake with Richard Lewis Saint, the WWF, old school, uh, ice cream Sandwich ads, do you remember mm -hmm. that? We were like, yeah, Randy, I remember Randy that. Man sat. Like, I still have files on my external with those source photos uh -huh. and emails with with Richard Lewis Saint, with Robert Adam Mayer, with photographers talking about replicating that thing and using that as like a marketing piece and like mm -hmm. doing a whole bunch of stuff that was like of the era. But like, my shit was falling apart at the time. Like, like my relation, <laughs> I was in a relationship for five years that went way south yeah. on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And so I think I may have had like a midlife crisis like 10 years ahead of schedule, but I got really impatient at work. Like I'm trying to like, I was frustrated that Jay Davey didn't crack when it did. And there were other issues there. Like they had, they ran through managers like, mm -hmm. and I don't even think it was necessarily their fault, but because they were in LA, they were working with some snakes, man. Like they were working with people who, who I, I, this is, I'm probably a minority in this position. But they were working with people who said they were helping who were not helping. Mm -hmm. And like, and you can, like, people can say whatever they want about me. You guys can say whatever you want. 
Cannabis, Canon, J. Davey, anyone that I did a record with can say whatever they want, but I was never trying to snake anyone. I was mm-hmm. never trying to get over on anyone, and I was around too many people that were, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, And and it's not like we had a falling out. Like, like after I quit there, I rebuilt your press kit. We went on tour. I yeah. tried to help out with, like, Mert, like we printed T-shirts. Like I'm still, I'm still, and I'm still. Those down. T-shirts flew off the damn. Like I feel like when you, you uh announced them. Yeah. And them shits was gone. We had, a new, <laughs> we had a new font. We had a new logo. We did we did four colorways. Each one talking about a different album. We had orange and blue for um, Kusak. We had the piece gotta white. have it. Like that, and those orange. were that, those were fun. That was good. Yeah, and that's, I, I, did those not sell out that weekend? I it think did. they did. They sold out that week. And that was prior, that was like in uh, in promotion of uh, You and My Army. Like it was yeah. around that time. So yeah. like that's the product management side of it though. Like if you yeah. look at that, you look at Brooklyn Natty, you even look at Moonlight, and you look at yeah. the way that the rollout of those albums happened. It was it was subtle, but it was definitely, not, not necessarily subtle, but it was super cohesive, you know? Well, we're weird because we had, like we had the one, like there's two things you want. You want to be commercially viable and make money from it so you can sustain. And you want credibility and respect and praise. And so when we came out, I still think the the cassettes, which were expensive relative to what merch we could have done, were the best thing ever because yeah. I'm in I'm in California for years respecting the hell out of DJ Bobito Garcia and and we drop it and him and Susio smash immediately are like, yeah. and he, I think he told Susio actually, yeah. if you listen to the old radio show, he put him up on Tanya Morgan. Yeah, he did. And he so, told Susio twice. He, he told him once and then Susio never played it. He told him again like a week or two later. Yeah. Like, Yo, have you played that tape? And I'm, and I'm just like, all right, so the first thing we ever do, Bobito's on, Questlove is on, like all these people we respect is on. So we have that side I, I think Questlove might have like eBayed a cassette player just to play Moonlighting. Something like that. He was like, yeah. he had to track down a cassette player and get one just so he could play it. Our problem right now is that that is cooler to me than making a thousand dollars. Like, really? Yeah, it is. yeah. Like, like I and 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 I know, like, I'm I'm a smart enough dude. I know that that means nothing to anyone else. Mm-hmm. But like that, any like that's cool. Like if that it's actually cool happened, hell, that's cool. Like, <laughs> I'm with that. Like if yeah. some like if someone wanted so badly to listen to your thing that they they managed a whole new way to play a format that's that's mission but now what what we what we all understand now is it can't just be those cool things yeah why not though man (laughs) like the cool things are so much more fun because here's why if you want it to just be those cool things you need to know how to how to write grants you need to know how to get uh like private Funding. You need to know how to again sustain those. Things. I know you, gotta know, you gotta know how to a really market. good skit. You gotta know how to market those cool things because other people can. Other people can do them. Like, you know, it'll be big news if if Action Bronson got Professor Belding to come to his show. Right. You just gotta know how to market your, the weird shit you want to do. Yeah. While I really love pushing my wares in my podcast, I really wish I had a sponsor because sometimes I feel like I'm being redundant. But I'm probably not. At any rate, you guys need to email me at bwmpodcast at gmail.com. I want to start doing a listener letter segment. I have a couple in holding, but really want to start doing it. And also, if you are a sponsor, email me too. We can talk business because I need the monies. All of the monies. But so you went to where weird shit works, pretty much. Well, I, I, you know what? I'll in say a way. This. I'll say this. Weird shit does work. I work in comedy now. I produce records for a... 
uh, comedy production company out of San Francisco, and it's basically what it's been to this date is mostly like uh, just producing stand-up comedy albums in the clubs. But now I do a bunch of other stuff, events, and produce specials and things like that, and it's good because that I, I was I've only been in comedy for like three years, and I'm already through the first wave. And I'm Wait, what's, what's, what's your official title? I'm the director of of rooftop comedy productions for audible.com horns and all that um which is which has been illuminating like I, I got here and i knew nothing about comedy but everything about running an indie label and i i interviewed for the job actually shout out to michelle mcdevitt audible treats again she passed along the job description it was like i know it's comedy but you could do this with one hand tied behind your back i showed up talked to him said i could do this with one hand tied behind my back and they gave me the job that's you literally no, said that. That's the, that's the gist. You showed up with one hand behind yeah. your back, like hire me. No, but I, I, you know, I interviewed with the woman who was running the label before me, and she was cool. She was on her way to L.A. and she thought I could do it. And I talked to the rest of the management team, and it's been it's been illuminating, man. Like if 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 rap could learn from comedy, just the basics, it could be way more sustainable. It could be a much bigger deal. It could be. I don't know. Again, this is just one man's opinion, but but I definitely see some some opportunity yeah. in music. Like the two drink minimum is is the least crazy thing to ever happen in a in a club setting. Like uh, there's there's also some inherent differences uh, between comedy and music, and especially now. Like you know, this is the stuff I geek off on every day. I've got a team of people here, and we like we wax poetic about. What it means to go to a comedy show versus a music venue, like you, uh, it's there's like a show when you're watching, but there's an opportunity in between sets where you can actually talk to someone and it's not so loud. You can't carry a conversation and right and like not not to cut you off, but like no. that's one of our main gripes as performers is that when you're at a show and you're about to perform or you're like waiting to perform, you have to scream over whoever's performing. Like people are like, yo, so how's, how's the tour going? How oh, the tour's going great! Yeah. Ah. There's you, no conversation. And you don't want to be, you, want, you don't want people screaming over your set either, so right. you probably even feel a little bad about it. Like, or you, you know, you should. But like, also the two drink minimum. Like, do you want a sober audience that's like not engaged or do you want someone to have just enough in them to get loose? And at a comedy show, you need it because you yeah. get the last that way. But at a, at a, at a concert, you want it too because, you know, like it goes like this. I was at a wallpaper show with my wife um, right before we got married, and you know we were we were like, oh, this is gonna be so dope, but we had to like we had to go somewhere after that, so we weren't really drinking. And you're either the people spilling drinks, having a good time, or getting the drinks spilled on you. Yeah. And if you're the people getting the drinks spilled on you, you are not. You are not having time. fun. So yeah. we go to this show, and like it's a band that we love. Our friends are the backing band. Like this is like gonna be a great night, and it's just it's just frat central spilling the brochin br- the just the 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 brochin liner <laughs> just spilling Miller Lite all over me, and like all like and it was just like. Ugh, that would have been such a fun show if not for so you gotta you gotta like participate and that's the problem is like there's too many music venues there's too much music available and people like you split it's if there's if there's 10,000 people in your market willing to go to a show tonight and you split that over one venue you get 10,000 fans if you split that over a thousand venues you get 10 fans so now there's a thousand music venues in every market and there's 10 people in each of them and it doesn't have this kind of like rah-rah feeling and people like you you're trying to draw people so hard you don't charge a cover or you have a deep guest list and people are not about to drop $20 on drinks if the show they just went to cost them nothing because by comparative experience, 
Versus if you go to if you go see D'Angelo at the Paramount in Oakland and the tickets cost you hundred dollars a pop, what's twenty more dollars to get yeah. a little tipsy? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's where that's where it goes. So, you know, comedy booking and performance has all its flaws too. But it also it also has all of these ancillary opportunities for talented people. You see you see comics struggling and they're funny funny people, but like they can't necessarily pack one hundred and fifty people in a in a in a comedy club. It's cool because at daytime they write for At Midnight on Comedy Central or mm. or they write for, you know, the James Corden Late Late Show or whatever it is. Like, there's opportunity At daytime, I write for Kanye, so it's all good. <laughs> That's yeah, where Vaughn's going. He's going to uh, France to write for Kanye. Do you write Kanye. his lyrics or do you write the stuff he says to the press? <laughs> <laughs> I write his text messages to Kim. There you go. Yeah, I, I would believe that because it's usually like... Get over here with that ass. <laughs> <laughs> go sit in the hot tub <laughs> naked and sit yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but no, Vaughn is actually going, so we, we got to wrap up soon, I think. Yep. Oh, you yeah. got a meeting. Vaughn has to go to fucking France. Yeah. yeah. See, man, that's what's cool. Like, I, like it, it, it kind of it pains me pretty regularly that we don't get to work together on the, on the daily anymore because I had, that was like maybe the most fun I've ever had. And Yo, we did a lot of great yeah, shit. Yeah. But there was but there was this synergy. Like we try to explain the synergy all the time. You just can't like it would just be like a, a random conversation yeah. driving. The magic from, car ride to Portland, yo. Yeah. Like that, that birth with all due respect to Ilias, that birthed Brooklyn Addy. Us in that car, the three yeah. of us in that car. The irony is that he would have been in that car, but there was like a snafu with your tour booker. Cause that was when I met Reagan. Yeah. Because they had they had basically Dude had booked it for too short, like too much, too little money. So Ill was, was that like, Gabe? "Yeah." So Ill was like, "I'm not even coming out." And then Reagan was like, "Whatever you guys need, super cool." Mm-hmm. Apple Juice Crew back in the day, what up? They and they threw a good show in the park with Omega Watts came out. Yeah, that was a dope um, show. But yeah, that was like we definitely conceptualized everything on yeah, that. that. I didn't even remember that until that drive. Yeah, I remember it was it was the car was floating. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yo, what if we make like yeah. a map? Yo, what if we do like menus and yo, walk my way and yo, cuddle bums, we can be like make some matchbooks. Yeah. But that the, shit was the crazy. dope shit was like usually you have those kind of conversations in those moments. And it's just like an idea. It's a conversation yeah. and you walk away from it. But that conversation was one where it was like everything we talked about. We, we've learned real. not to do that because when it was like, yo, what if we make a red cassette? Don't walk away from it. Yeah. And dope shit could happen. Yeah. I definitely credit the red cassette with anything that happened with Brooklyn Addy. I think the the other problem though too is if you like we didn't that stuff didn't cost a lot of money and like I think we I think we had a fair price point considering and shout out to society. Do they still exist? They still exist. I so shout out to them for problem. like for like, you know, uh for like kicking down some gear like the shirts and the hats and stuff because yeah. that helped us set a price point that was expensive enough to roll up the little things into it like the library cards and the letters and the menus and the matchbooks and all these fun things without mm-hmm. making it so expensive that people were like no mm-hmm. because people were basically paying for a hat a limited edition 45 and a t-shirt um, and we got to roll it up into like this bigger thing um, I don't even have any of those boxes. I, I wish I had one box set, man. Just one complete box. I have one box. Kit. One box at home, and it is now the house for Amanda's like, uh, like <laughs> sewing kit stuff. And then <laughs> it's I, not the survival kit. It's the no, sewing kit. it's not. Yeah, the contents <laughs> are in there. But I do. I have a box at home. With but like, do you have the, the contents from the box? I somewhere? do. I have all one set. It. I have one okay. set of all that stuff. I've never had a box. You never had a box. 
Damn, see, we... See, but see, Vaughn doesn't that, like the house shit. Vaughn will be like, no, nah, I don't want that. I don't have space for it. Sell it. I don't have a copy of uh, To You. I didn't want one, only because I just didn't like the way the CD came out. Mm-hmm. Do you have a copy of Rubber Souls? I have the vinyl, because I was like, what am I going to do with a CD? But the, 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 CD, the, the CD art is beautiful, though. If you open no, the I've CD... No, I've seen it. It's dope, it's but gorgeous. the vinyl is like, it's um, rubber colored, rubber band colored. That shit is dope. That's yeah. better. To me, that's better than the CD... I have the vinyl. And my son teethes, I was telling you, teethes on the uh, On the rubber band. Holler. Otto and Cooper. So wait, since this is bad with names, we got to end soon. If the boys had been girls, what would you have named them? Mm -hmm. I don't think I could go on record without texting Amanda right now. Uh, But if I had to... This is off record. I'll just... We can say off record, off record. Honestly, I would have put Tanya in the conversation. Really? Yeah. I would have put Tanya in the conversation. Tanya and Morgan. You could have had Tanya and Morgan. I have a girl. Her name is going to be Morgan. I like that. That's a good... That's a I good have name. a goddaughter named Morgan. Well, yeah. I don't have anybody in my life named Tanya except for Vaughn. I think Tanya... <laughs> I think Tanya would have been vetoed, uh, to be honest. Not even necessarily by her, but just like after thinking about it, it might not have fit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it probably it would have been at least in the conversation. Uh, uh, that's that's fair. We went family names on on pretty much everything. Yeah, I was gonna ask where did Cooper and Otto come from. Well, Cooper actually like we had we were gonna roll with Donovan, was gonna be Cooper's name. Thank you, Don and Vaughn. Donovan. What? Yeah. Yo. That, and that was on purpose. Too. I love you so much, man. So it was gonna be Donovan, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's weird. It's like real serendipitous too, because that was definitely like my motivation. But my godfather's last name is Donovan. My godparents' last name is Donovan. Um, and one of Amanda's favorite singers' name is Donovan. So it was like, and not Donovan. But so which Donovan. one would have been Donovan? The first one. Cooper? Yeah. I'm going to call him Donovan from now on. You can do that. The, the funny part <laughs> is Dwine, who we talked about earlier, Dwine, had a, uh, Dwine has a son named Donovan. Uh. So I didn't want to like necessarily, like oh, I would have asked permission. But the, re- the reality is the name, Donovan was in the running. There were a couple other names, like Leo, which is Amanda's grandfather, that would have been in the running. And then we didn't even have Cooper on the list. And then we just saw, we waited until he was born, kicked it with him for like a day, and we're like, what about Cooper? And we had like jokes. Oh shit, so you named him after he was born for the Yeah, we named Otto after he was born too. That's dope. And Otto is kind of a family name. He's my uh, my brother's godfather who um, he passed he passed away from cancer years ago. But with uh, like from asbestos poisoning and cancer related and all that stuff. Mm. But in the settlement money, my godmother, Kathy, bought a house in uh, Carmel, and that's where we got married, Amanda and I. So we named Otto after him. You know, so, came the family. So, well, why, why Cooper again? Cooper, just, you just honestly, we, we, would, we would play this game where we would like be driving down the street and see like McDonald's and be like, what about McDonald's? <laughs> oh, what about... <laughs> pink house with a shitty chimney <laughs> just like as names for him and then we were driving by and there was like a mini Cooper like what about Cooper I was like honestly that's kind of tight like I, I, I could go with Cooper like, and it, it's super fitting based on how much he likes baseball yeah like his aunt super fitting. his aunt Kaya is definitely like Cooper that's such a good baseball player's name and like all she wants him to be is a giant <laughs> I think he might be the baseball player yeah so yeah so that, that's uh, that's them Shout out to Cooper and Otto and Amanda. Well, I need to Uber Vaughn a yeah. cab. Why, where are you going, Vaughn? Let's talk about that. Why SFO. I get you some. Why are you going to SFO? Why are you leaving me? <laughs> Yo, Why are you leaving me, Vaughn? If, if, if you are in France for April or if you are in Germany for May, Google DJ Guts 
Go to his Facebook. How do you get the car to go to the airport? Can you do this? And his uh, his tour dates will pop up. And I'm on this tour. I will be performing selections from his album. But where will you be? Hip Hop After All. I will be in a lot of cities in France that I cannot pronounce. Vaughn's going, going to France. And cities that I cannot pronounce in Germany. We will be at the Jazz Cafe on May 11th. I can pronounce that. We will be in Frankfurt and Heidelberg and freaking Paris on April 16th. And you just gotta you just gotta go look at Guts's uh his Facebook page. It's all up I, there. I think it's kinda cool. Vaughn's going to France. I'm the going to Hip Hop After yeah. All tour. So I just hit the thing and it, it picks him up. I'll show you later. Yeah. And yeah, and that's that's where I'll be. And then come to the Tanya Morgan show on May twenty third at Highline Ballroom. With with Merce, Tech Nine and Tech Nine, Duh. Hoodie Allen, That's and Hoodie Allen, and you can come to my show with Open Mike Eagle on April eighteenth. Right? Oh, the nineteenth. You sure? It's the, I thought it was the eleventh. I just saw a poster for it. Nineteenth, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, yeah. because it's it's the same night as Pizza Party, so I won't be doing oh. Pizza Party. Won't be DJing. I'll be rapping, doing something. Also, New York, look out for Don Will's show with Wyatt Snack called Shouting at the Screen. Bam, 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 bam. Which is dope. Recently featured at San Francisco Sketchfest 2015. Bam, 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 bam. Hoping that it hits that. I, I can't give up. Shh. I was going to say the place it might start being oh. the physical place. Oh, yeah. Hopefully that happens. Uh, yeah. All right, so I don't know how long we are. We've been talking. We're going to get out of here, though. Dom tried to get... It was, it's too much. This is like a five-hour conversation that we had to, like... Dive in and out of parts of. You just slap part one on it, and then we'll get to another. This is even. This is just like a teaser. It's an hour and a half teaser. The prologue. The prologue. But uh, yeah, man, get out of here, man. Thank you for rambling on my show with me. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you, Vaughn, for missing your flight. No, no, heck no. Knock on wood. Let's get him out of here. Peace, peace, y'all. The new number is. Man. Talk about not enough time. I really wanted Vaughn to be there for the interview, though, because he's a part of Tanya Morgan, and he also has a better memory than me. I mean, my podcast is called Bad With Names, so imagine how awful I am with events. I remember faces, though. But really fun chatting with Dom. I really want to... If any interview needed a part two, it's this one. Fresh Daily needs a part two because we never talked about Beat House, and I'm coming for you, Fresh. Coming for you, Fresh. Shout out to Fresh. Saw him uh, South by Southwest. We hung out. Nigga had they nigga had Sixth Street lit. It was a fifth. I don't know what the fuck it was. Bad with street names too. But part two with Fresh Daily and definitely a part two with Dominic Dom Del Benny because man, he works in the comedy world now and it's just so interesting how our paths are just intertwined. If you enjoyed the interview, leave a comment. Drop me an email, let me know. And like I was saying, speaking of email, I want to try something new now. The listener letter segment. It's new but old, but it's never been a dedicated thing. Again, this is learning on our feet, learning as we go. And I'm going to make sure to include this at the end of every podcast now. So I thought of a really weird theme song for it. And I might not ever do this again. But now for listener letters. Listener letters, gonna read your email. 
Listener letters. Please just don't be spam. This one wrote me in February. And I'm sorry for just getting around to the email, but, you know, better late than never, right? All right. The title is, Enjoy Your Show. Got a question for you. Number four, letter U. Do you think we will get a new era in music soon? I make music, producing and playing instruments, etc. I'm pretty eclectic, but hip-hop is what's got to do it, in my opinion. Do you think that any of these jits... I don't know what jits is... Do you think that any of these jits is going to bring out something for the history book soon, or is it just going to be fireworks and no big bangs? What's your opinion? I hear hot songs, but then the artist gets cold fast or redundant. Also, why do you think... Also, who do you think has that potential now to stay hot and keep creating work that evolves and gets better as opposed to getting stale and worse after time? Peace. Derek Diss. All right, Derek. First off, thanks for writing in. I really appreciate it. Sorry it took me so long to answer. Again, I'm sorry. But I don't really know, which is not the answer you were looking for. I will say this. You got to let artists grow, man. You just got to like give them time. And nothing is instant. I think that the internet and Twitter and email and text messages and all of these different mechanisms that have come into our lives technology-wise that have made us look for instant gratification, instant response, instant everything, has made art seem either like it should be instantaneously amazing or disposable. I admit, some shit just needs to be amazing on first listen. But some other things need to be challenging enough to revisit and over time age well. You know what I'm saying? Like, like... You, you, I don't know, like, like my method for listening to music is to play it on four different systems and then I'm like deciding if I can live with it. You know, like I have to listen to something and live with it. But I don't know, I, I just think that you can't really, you don't know history looking forward or in the moment. You have to look back to know what made history. And a lot of different shit, a lot of different things will inform if something is historic, you know. Did it cause a shift in ideology? Did it cause a shift in the way things were produced? Did it cause a shift in cultural trends? Like, it's, it's you got to look back. You can't think about it in the instant and in the moment. And I will say that, I know I said I don't know earlier, but I'll say that, you know, there are, I, it's, it's too, I don't want to say names, and I don't want to say artists that I think will be, you know, the the next so-and-so or the whatever so-and-so because you want to be the only you but you know i i, I you, you you can't not look at kanye and say he's not making history you can't not look at j cole going platinum and say he's not making history i mean i don't know what type of historical context um you're looking for in this sense but i will say history is definitely being made because things are changing and you know the culture shifting with it as far as the hot songs, the artist gets cold fast or redundant thing, I don't know. I think it's what I think it's, you know, what you look at. I see the hot now gone tomorrow artists, and I also see the slow, steady grind artists that have been just simmering for a while, which is still hot. It's just not bubbling over the pot. You know what I'm saying? And you, it's it's a number of artists out there, self included, who've been doing amazing work over the years and just hasn't gotten the recognition but you know 
in lieu of recognition, keep doing amazing work. So I would hopefully say self-included being you, Derek, since you're a, a musician, multi-instrumentalist, uh, multi-instrumentalist, multi producer, you're probably making some amazing hot shit. Keep doing it, man. You know what I'm saying? History's on your side because it's only behind you. So whatever you do today could be historic tomorrow, but you won't know until tomorrow. The more you know, Rainbow Flashes, and the podcast ends now. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, bwnpodcast at gmail.com. I'll answer any letters and shit. I'm sorry it took me so long to get around to making this segment. I just was afraid of singing my own theme music. Tell me if that theme music is good or bad, too. I really want to know. I'll change it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Maybe I'll never use it again. I'm going to get out of here. I got shit to do. Peace.